0: Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Well, thank you, Father Ryan, for inviting me to speak at all the masses as part of our Radical Year approach this month of January before we enter into Lent. I must say, we're getting tremendously good feedback from folks. We're really enjoying this new way of preaching, taking turns each weekend, and the messages that have been delivered by not just Father Ryan and myself, but members of our staff, our deacons, and even uh, a couple of our parishioners who have given podcast interviews. And I would want to preach today, in terms of radical year, another joyful message. And I also reflected back on the week and noted just how eloquent and moving our new president's inaugural speech was on Wednesday. He talked about unity and coming together as a nation. And I would love to fold that in to a joyful message today. But as a priest, there are times when we are called like Jonah in the first reading. We are called to point out the truth of the gospel in a world that is not perfect, in a world that is sometimes falls short of that gospel. And so I mentioned to Father Ryan yesterday, I really have kind of two homilies today. And before you walk out, hear me out. (laughs) Father Ryan raised his eyebrows and I said, and two homilies they're going to get. But it's really one message with two parts. That first I would like to reflect on a couple things that happened this week. Friday was, and always has been for several years, I think a couple decades, been designated by our national bishops as a national day of prayer. Prayer for the protection of the unborn and for an end to abortion. And this past Friday, our bishop, Edward Molesic, traveled to Columbus to celebrate a mass of respect for life with the Columbus bishop, Bishop Brennan. But sadly and disturbingly and discouragingly, that Holy Mass was disrupted by a group of pro-abortion protesters who disrupted right in the middle of the Mass. I would like to share with you some of the words of our Bishop who very eloquently and in a dignified way allowed that disturbance to run its course for them to leave and then offered these words of support And strength and reflection first on the right to life our bishop said when I was two cells old I had the right to life when I was two cells old it gave me the right to an education it gave me the right not to be prejudiced against it gave me the right to support it gave me the right to love and it gave me the right to have gainful employment he said it was sad that children had to witness that disruption of the mass, which he called a form of violence. A second thing happened Friday. We received a joint statement by the president and vice president from the White House that they are fully committed to making Roe v.ersus Wade, the Supreme Court case almost 50 years ago, 48 years to be exact, last Friday, to make that case which was founded now 50 years later on outdated facts and has been surpassed by modern science as a federal statute. They want to codify Roe versus Wade. Then also, it was brought to my attention last Friday, Dr. Fauci, a member of the president's cabinet, spoke to the executive board of the World Health Organization, saying, quote, that in the coming days, the president will revoke the so-called Mexico City policy, which prohibits U.S. taxpayer funding of foreign nonprofits that perform and promote abortion as a form of family planning. These are not joyful or unifying developments. These are issues of social justice that we as Catholics are called to make ourselves aware of and to form our consciences and stand up against. Let me read to you from our Holy Father, Francis, of why this issue of the life of the unborn is a social justice issue. It comes from his document Laudato Si, quoting Pope Francis. Since everything is interrelated, concern for the protection of nature, which he means the environment, is also incompatible with the justification of abortion. How can we genuinely teach the importance of concern for other vulnerable beings, however troublesome or inconvenient they may be, if we fail to protect a human embryo, even when its presence is uncomfortable and creates difficulties? Yes, difficulties for the mother. These are not my words. These are Pope Francis's words. He also says, just like any creature, A human embryo is a witness to God's love at work in the world, and as a human being, a human embryo has inalienable worth that transcends his or her degree of development. As Bishop Malesic said, when I was two cells years old, I had a right to life, to live. And that's a fundamental right. Fundamental means it comes before, first, preeminent, before all the other rights that humanity and the dignity of the human person is entitled to. In fact, I'd like to quote another bishop, Bishop Okowiak from Grand Rapids, who was actually one of my seminary professors before he became a bishop, to address this kind of thought or tendency that's out there, that this is a women's health issue, that, or even some who say abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Well, let me say in my own words, abortion is not safe from the perspective of the unborn child. Two persons enter an abortion clinic, only one comes out. Abortion isn't legal as St. Augustine said 2,000 years ago. An unjust law is no law at all. And it's not rare. I don't have the up-to-date numbers, but I've heard many numbers of millions of children having lost their lives. And it is a social justice issue because although the numbers may be more heavier in, in abortions being performed for upper middle class or wealthy persons, as a percentage of population, abortion is one of the highest, if not the highest, cause of death among the poor and minorities. Let me read another comment about this being a social justice issue and why we should stay committed in this radical year of celebrating being rooted in God's love. We should stay committed to promoting the life of the unborn. Bishop Bokowiak says, The Catholic Church's efforts and resources remain available to all families. Well over 150,000 low-income mothers deliver their babies at Catholic hospitals each year. And tens of thousands of pregnant and parenting moms, and I would say dads as well, are helped each year through Catholic Charities programs and other agencies. We as a church, a people of God, need to continue to walk with moms in need, with mothers with crisis pregnancies, unwanted pregnancies, and offering them things like Project Rachel or Maggie's Place or Adoption Services. So that's the message of Jonah we need to hear today, to turn back, and we can't move forward with unity until every last person is helped, that every life is sacred. So the radical year we've been hearing about is one about looking at God's love for us as being within the very foundation of our lives, in the lives we actually live. Not a God that's distant, that sits on a throne up in heaven and looks down upon us, but that a God that we can find his love and forgiveness in the midst of our messy, broken, and challenging lives. We've heard the last three weeks Father Ryan talk about first descending down into our humanity, looking down for God in the troubles, the brokenness of our lives. That God's small, vulnerable, loving presence can be found there, forgiving you, showering you with mercy and love, and transforming you. We heard a wonderful talk by Deacon Dave about discipleship, about how discipleship is accepting the great gift of God's forgiveness, and changing our image of God, which wherever it came from, our childhood or old images of the church, is not a God of vengeance and punishment and fear, but a God of forgiveness and love. And then allowing ourselves to be transformed by that love and the power of the Holy Spirit to become Christ for others. Last week, Father Ryan reflected again on that desire for beauty and fulfillment, the desire for ultimate beauty and truth, as John Paul II said, was, is rattling inside our hearts and is never quite satisfied that we often are feeling a gap, a distance from God, but that Christ came to close that gap, offering us living waters of healing and forgiveness, some of which I spoke about in my homily two weeks ago about God's grace and how it is never too late to turn back to God and to be forgiven, to go back on track and how his grace is everywhere, but is also channeled in a particular way in the church, Christ's body and blood, and in the sacraments. Sacraments of healing, reconciliation, anointing, and Eucharist that bring us back into God's love and strengthen us for our journey as disciples. Under all these is a common theme, about understanding our humanity and who God is for us. A kind and merciful God, slow to anger, full of righteousness and faithfulness, not a vengeful, punishing God. Understanding who Christ is for us, the Savior who won for us a new life so we can participate once again, as Adam and Eve once did, in divine life, that ultimate beauty that Father Ryan mentions. And like a prodigal father, God wants to be present to us and welcome us no matter where you or I are on our journey. He wants us to accept and allow ourselves, not through our own effort or through our own power, to be transformed in love, from lost souls to beloved sons and daughters, from fearful people to joyful people, From a wandering people in the desert to a people renewed by Christ's sacrifice and and living fully, joyfully in the body of Christ, his church. But here's the next part. As transformed people, we're sent out to proclaim this good news to our friends, to our family. We're called to become sources of the living waters of God's love and mercy, to be Jesus' hands and eyes and mouth and feet in this world. And as Deacon Dave pointed out, first by allowing ourselves to be transformed, by accepting this mercy, this great gift, and then becoming Christ for others. So as we open our hearts to God, to ultimate truth, ultimate beauty and goodness, the gap we experience between where we are today and where God is starts to narrow. As that gap narrows, we want to follow Christ's commands. We want to grow in holiness. We want to understand and follow the church's teachings. Do we ever close the gap entirely? Maybe not entirely in our lifetime, but we can get awfully close. And in any transformation or conversion, there must be a beginning, a middle, and an end or goal. The gospel today focuses again on the beginning of Jesus' ministry as he calls his first disciples. And we're going to find out in the Gospel of Mark this entire year that Mark is different than Matthew, Luke, and John. He's in a hurry. And in our second reading today, for example, in the Gospel today, Jesus calls out to these men, they drop everything and immediately abandon their nets and follow the Lord. No talking, no hanging out. And in our second reading, St. Paul conveys a sense of urgency in following God's call. So a message we can take home today, one of the messages, there is an urgency in becoming radicalized, becoming rooted in God's love. Our radical year is a year. It's only 12 months, and you and I both know how quickly this first month has gone. So what prompted these men, these fishermen, to follow Jesus, to drop anything? They weren't poor, they weren't uneducated, they weren't naive and gullible, yet they dropped everything. These are some of the hardest working people in ancient Israel, fishermen. They were shrewd. They were sometimes fairly of well means. Their nets symbolized their preoccupation with their careers and the goods of this life and making a living. They were looking for that happiness that to, to satisfy that desire that we all carry around in us. So what prompted them? Was it the way Jesus looked? Handsome, youthful, Was it Jesus' energy, his persuasive words, or great deeds? I think our own Father Ryan sums it up best. They saw in Jesus the gap filled in. That desire, which is only partially fulfilled in our lives, was complete in the Lord. As they observed his preaching in the synagogue with authority, his healing ministry, they saw that Jesus was not just authoritative He was in love. He was so close to the Father. His gap was completely full. They said, I want what he has. I want to be fulfilled, to be transformed. So they left their business in the hands of good old Zebedee, their father, and they set out on the open waters of life to become apostles. Men sent out to proclaim the good news. Have you ever come home from Mass from a retreat, or after reading the gospel, and your whole body is filled with desire, with the spirit and the love of Christ, the beauty of God's love for us, that should make you want to seek out more, to seek his kingdom, to seek holiness, to be a disciple, a student of the Lord. But we also know that later on in the gospel of Mark, things don't go so well. Peter, impetuous, declares Jesus the Messiah, but then fails the test of faith on that stormy day. He messes up the transfiguration by an awkward misunderstanding of who Christ is. James and John argue, as brothers can only do, about who's first, who's the best, in this worldly kingdom that they envisioned. And Peter even denies Christ three times. The message for us as students, disciples, is that as we become rooted in God's love, and live out a radical year, a radical life, there will be setbacks, there will be challenges. The fact of the matter is, God's love for us never changes, but we do. As I mentioned in the first part of my homily, the world changes. Things do not stay the same. And as we experience God's love for us as son and daughters, we need to stay rooted in that love during all the bumps in the road. So here's a message, another piece of homework to take home from the gospel today. After Jesus announces in the gospel today that his kingdom is at hand, there is another piece. There's more to that story. He says, repent, which doesn't mean go off in fear and appease an angry God. It means turn back. Turn your life toward the Lord and believe in the gospel, the good news. Make the gospel and the commands of Christ the focal point of your life. Start closing that gap, not through your own will, your own power, but listening and following God's will, accepting his will in all parts of your life. Abandon the tangled nets of this life and follow the Lord. Here are a few questions to think about this week. After you've spent time reflecting on God's presence and the messiness and brokenness of your life, ask yourself, How do the church's teachings in scripture and in the church's catechism influence my life, my journey as a discipleship? Parents, you have a very important responsibility to teach your children right and wrong, good and evil. Do you take it upon yourselves or do you pass it on to teachers, the school, videos, television, or our culture? Are you giving your children the rootedness and faith not by instruction or by lecture, but do you show them how to be joyful, to find joy in all parts of life? Do you show them how to care for one another? Do you show them how to care for the poor by being, by showing your own solidarity with those who are less fortunate and those who are vulnerable or oppressed? And families, we all know that this past year with COVID and political divisions, I would say almost all of our families have been impacted with a bit of a rough spot, some difficulties in our relationships. I don't think any family is immune from that. We have all, we all have relationships that need healing, forgiveness, and reconciliation. But we all admit, and myself included, forgiveness and evangelization are sometimes the most difficult within our own families. It takes courage to say, I love you. It takes courage to say, let's pray. Husband and wives, do you pray together as a couple? But remember, with God, not our own power, but with God's power, all things are possible. And married couples, how often do you reflect on the church's teaching of the beauty of marriage and the inseparable meaning of the marital act as both open to new life and as a source of union and comfort? Have you learned about the theology of the body, this teaching of St. John Paul II? And have, which is very beautiful, have you learned about what the document Humanae Vitae on artificial birth control really says, not what others say about it? And do you use artificial methods that block that openness to new life? How about those of us, myself included, who came of age in the, in the 80s or 70s questioning authority? Do we pick and choose which of the church's teachings, Christ's teachings, do we follow? And the ones that we disagree with, we don't bother learning more. We don't bother to explore or question our own decisions. And because we often dismiss them as rules or earning our way to heaven, we don't take the time to understand why the church teaches what she does. That we say, loving Jesus is enough for me. Christ gave us a command. He said, if you love me, follow my commandments. And St. John writes that those who follow God's commands are in God and God is in them. Teenagers, are you sitting around bored with school? A lot of kids have told me they're bored with these online classes. Do you feel lost? Consider making a commitment to Christ, not here, but in your schoolwork. In your friendships, see where Christ will lead you. In Life Teen, every year I see many new relationships and even healing occurring between the teens and young people who share their faith. And all of us who are out there working so hard or trying to stay busy in our, our work and earn a living can get caught up and tangled in the nets of our worldly affairs. Like Peter and Andrew, James and John, do we take enough time to be mindful to be mindful of our families, of the poor, of those in need. We complain about working too much, but perhaps it's really our ego, our perfectionism, our selfish pride that's the root of the imbalance, the work-life imbalance we have. Take time after this Mass to read the Gospel, to observe Jesus' life, to pray, to pray with your family. And you may just find that those challenges struggles with work, are less heavy, are less burdensome. The bottom line is that when we become rooted, radicalized in God's love and the beauty of our faith, Christ then calls out to us, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. Repent and believe in the gospel. As we continue to gaze upon the beauty of Christ, let us remember Christ gazes upon each of us and says, if you love me, follow me. Obey my commands. Become sources of living water, of joy, for your families and for our broken world. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church Brexville. St. Basil the Great, Pray for us.